0: And welcome to More Than Money, a show that explores the psychology, emotions, and math of money so you can make better, smarter choices regardless of where you are on the income and wealth spectrums. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmins. Today's episode continues our multi-part conversation about questions. And if you missed the last episode, go and check that out. Because there I share the nine questions that I get asked the most. And as promised, today I'm going to share with you the questions that I wished people would ask me. Now to be fair, actually it's not so much about what I wish they would ask me, and it's more about what I really wished that they would ask themselves, even if they're using our exchange um, as a sounding board to think out loud. But before we dive into that, I wanted to remind our listeners who are small business owners and entrepreneurs that Friday, October 25th will soon be upon us. And that's the date of the pricing retreat that I am hosting to help you tackle pricing from all sides, the financial, the emotional, the personal, as a way of helping you answer the ever present question, what should I charge for this? The retreat is a one-day small group experience about how to price your genius and become confident in what you charge. During the day, we'll examine the different relationships that influence the prices you charge and how each impacts your bottom line and your personal financial health too. In the zone, how to price your genius happens live and in person in New York City where there's learning, group discussion, self-reflection, and breakout sessions so that by the end of the day, you'll have a pricing strategy that you're confident in. Have I peaked your, cur- peaked your curiosity? Well, then fantastic. Check out the quick training slash sneak peek video that I created so that you can get a taste of what you will experience the day of. You can go and watch that video by going to jaquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden impact Again, jacquettimmins.com forward slash hidden dash impact. Now on to today's show. I'm curious, when you hear the phrase money is a tool, what comes to mind for you? Do you consider it a tool for getting what you need and want, whether that's more time, or things that will make managing your life a bit easier, or things that will support you and helping you to achieve your goals? Here's something that I think people overlook. Money is absolutely a tool for doing all of those things in terms of helping you get what you want and what you need. But in my opinion, it is also one of the best personal development tools. Why? Because each time you go into your wallet to get your cash, to pull out your debit card or credit card, each time you go online to do a transaction or to check your balance, or you are just simply thinking about a financial decision or a choice that you need to make, that act, that action that you've taken, that serves as a mirror and it is reflecting back to you perhaps your values and beliefs about money, your habits with it, your boundaries or lack thereof where money is concerned. It might also be spotlighting your success, your strengths and your abilities and your degree of emotional intelligence. So taking on this additional view of money as it being a personal development tool means that it is a vehicle by which you get to learn more about yourself. And in a way, questions do that as well, don't they? So we're going to dive into the questions that I wished people would ask. And let me just say this, in no way do the questions that I'm about to share, they do not diminish the ones that I shared in the previous episode, the ones that people do indeed ask me the most. I just simply think that the ones that I'm about to tick off for you, these are the ones that can help to deepen your relationship with money. And what makes them... Quote unquote, better is that they help you to better understand your situation. And often in the process, they help you to expand your range of vision and possibilities. They help you to, you know, not think in binary uh, terms. So they tend not to elicit a binary response. They help to create the space for discovery and contemplation. They challenge your assumptions and they also prompt you to confront your comfort level and hopefully encourage you to dance with discomfort a little bit more and actually even a little bit more embrace uncertainty and to stop chasing certainty. And, you know, one more thing before I go into these questions, because as I go through them, actually, I want you to look at them or hear them through the lens of how are they helping you to better understand your situation? How are they helping to expand your vision and possibilities and all those other things? But one of the things I wanted to say before I start going over the questions is that it is not the words of the questions that make them powerful. What makes these questions powerful is what you end up learning about yourself vis-a-vis the process of answering them. So let me not tarry any longer and just get right to it. And as before, these questions are in no particular order, so the sequence that I'm sharing is not because one is, is um, more important than another, it's just the order in which they came to me. <laughs> All right, so... Here's the first question. Am I spending my money on things and experiences that truly matter to me? Now, at first blush, when you hear that question, your response to it might be, well, of course I am. But when you examine your banking and credit card statements and you look at that by merchant or category, how closely is what you are actually doing with your money in alignment with what you say is important to you? Or if I were to look at your banking and credit card statements, would I be able to discern just from the line items, the transactions, would I be able to discern what's important to you, what your values are, what your beliefs are? So in other words, what is the symmetry between where your money is going and what are your values and your beliefs? So that's one question that I wished people would explore a little bit more and ask themselves and ask me. (laughs) Am I spending my money on things and experiences that truly matter? Here's another question. How can I be less transactional and passive with my money and more intentional and strategic? This comes up a lot in relationships and i see it when couples realize that the only time they really talk about money is when they need to make a big ticket purchase or make a consequential decision or choice or when they are feeling stressed about money and they are, and they find themselves constantly fighting about it and you know people are accustomed to hearing me make the suggestion of tracking their money so that they can identify their pattern of behavior with it but what's also useful is tracking how often you find yourself really only paying attention to your money when you were either stressed about it, when you are about to make a big ticket purchase or a consequential decision or a choice. And when you track it, and you tally up how often that happens. If you discover that this tends to be your tendency, you're missing out you're missing out on some useful data and insight that would actually help you to be more intentional and strategic. And the tricky thing here is that like much in life, this really isn't about either or, you know, being more t- transactional and passive or intentional or strategic. It's about how can you do be both and because sometimes you do need to be transactional and passive. And other times you need to be intentional and strategic, but are you doing that at the right time for the right situations in the right context? That's an important thing to explore. So that's the second question that I wish people would ask me more of, and that is how can I be less transactional and passive with my money and more intentional and strategic? Here's another one. How should my financial team work together? My coaching clients are high earners and most of them have a CPA. Some of them also have a financial advisor who manage their investments. What I'm always astonished by though is how often they don't have financial team meetings to ensure that everyone is on the same page making complementary moves and decisions instead of Everybody, you know, instead of the person working with the CPA and working with the financial advisor and that being a siloed experience and they end up making decisions and implementing things in that siloed fashion and may potentially end up in a situation where they are making moves that are counteractive to one another and they're not doing it intentionally. Um, So I'm always surprised by that. I'm also always surprised by people who otherwise would not abdicate responsibility of other areas in their life to someone else, but they do so when it comes to money, whether that's done willingly or unwittingly. And I know that sometimes that abdication comes about because there's not much interest (laughs) when it comes to their money. They don't mind earning it, but they don't want to do anything else with it. And at other times, it's due to a lack of knowledge or confidence. But at the end of the day, what I really wished is that people would be more intentional and strategic about making sure that if you have more than one person on your financial team, that they are actually working as a cohort and they're working in tandem with one another. So that's the other question that I wish people would ask me about more, and that is, how should I make sure that my financial team is working together? Because one of the things that I always remind people of is absolutely hire professionals because that's what they do, hire them to help you. But never, ever, ever abdicate your responsibility because at the end of the day, it is your money. All right. Here's another question. When it comes to money, are my beliefs about it and my behavior with it really all that different from my family? So what's interesting about this question is that some people, and, and this really comes out in a lot of my coaching engagements, some people, they will swear that they are not like their parents or whomever raised them when it comes to money. You know, they they're either want to be exactly the opposite of them Um, and sometimes they want to replicate it because they feel like their parents set a good example, so I'm not dismissing that, but this is more in those instances where someone wants to do the exact opposite of their parents, and they think that they are, but they're not really, And, and what I find so interesting is that the reason that they don't see how they are actually Uh, doing the exact same thing, how, how they don't notice the similarities perhaps in the beliefs and the behavior and the expectations is because the results and the consequences are manifesting very differently. And some of that has to do with, you know, your purview in terms of the perspective, right? Your perspective as an adult is very different than when you were a child or a teenager. So that's a piece of it but I just always find it really, really fascinating how people don't see how they are actually continuing the thing that they actually don't want to continue. So one question that I wish people would ask me more of is how can I really make sure, especially if you wanna change a you know family history when it comes to money, how can you make sure that you are indeed doing something different? And that it doesn't just look like it or feel like it, but really is the same. So that's another question. Um, One more question is, do I have a spending or earnings problem or both? And, you know, this is another one of those seemingly binary questions that isn't, (laughs) right? Right. And what do I mean by that? It's a question that anyone that feels overwhelmed with their debt ought to ask themselves. And on the surface, it could appear to be a yes or no question, but it's not. Because here's why. Far too many people often look at, you know, tackling debt solely by cutting their expenses. And that may indeed be what's needed. But once you reach the point where there is nothing else to cut, what do you do? and you know here's where this really becomes i think a powerful question when you realize that if it turns out that you need to earn more money that may upend emotions and matters of confidence and courage that you would never have to address that you would never become aware of if you only focused on how much more can i cut how much further can i cut etc So that's another reason why I really like this question and and wish people would ask this, especially if they are uh, challenged with debt. Another question, how are the five people that I'm spending the most time with affecting my relationship with money? More specifically, How are these people affecting your beliefs about money, your behavior with it, and what you believe is possible when it comes to your earning potential, how much you can save, how much wealth you can create, and what kind of lifestyle you can have and support? Yeah, I know, we are all adults. We're no longer in middle school or high school, but that doesn't mean that we don't travel in our own little tribe. That doesn't mean that we aren't influenced by our peeps. And this becomes really, really tricky if, let's say, for example, one of your metrics for professional success is how much you earn or how much revenue your business is generating or how much wealth you've accumulated. But the people that you are spending the most time with, the people that you care a lot about, eschew the pursuit of wealth. How do you reconcile the internal tension that 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 may potentially cause for you? and how does that tension affect the quality of the decisions and the choices that you are making? So these questions, you know, again, I think anyway, really go a little bit deeper and they help you to explore territory that A, seemingly binary questions alone won't help you to tap into, but also they just go a lot deeper than the ones that I shared in the previous episode that I tend to get asked a lot. So let me just bring us to a close on this particular episode and share this. All questions serve a purpose. So technically, no question is bad, whether we're talking about the questions from last time when I was talking about, here's what I get asked the most, or we're talking about the ones today. It's just that the ones today I feel are better than the others, and I feel that they are better than the others because they are inviting you to go deep, and they're inviting you to learn more about yourself and those around you. And like I said before, one of the things that I hope that they are doing is they're helping you to check some of your assumptions and to challenge yourself in terms of expanding your range of vision and possibilities. Asking any question really, but definitely asking these questions that I just shared today is how you turn money into a personal development tool. It's how you end up deepening and having an even better relationship with your money. And at the end of the day, we all have a relationship with money. So why not do whatever we can to make it better day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year? Because as I've said in previous episodes, your relationship with money will be one of the longest relationships that you will have. So why not do everything that you can to nurture it and make sure that it's the best that it can possibly be? All right. So the next episode, there's another one. Um, And so there's another part of this theme that I want to explore as we continue talking about Uh, questions. But in the next episode, what I will also do is I will share with you how you can submit a question for me to answer. Because we will round out this series with an episode that is entirely dedicated to me answering as many of your questions as I possibly can. So come back. (laughs) listen to the next episode for that content, but also for an opportunity to be able to submit your questions. And I may not be able to get to every single one of them, but again, I will try to do so. Um, I will try to get to as many as I possibly can. Well, all right, folks, that brings us to the end of today's episode. And I so appreciate you tuning in and listening all the way to the end. And again, for the small business owners and entrepreneurs in our midst, if you want to find out more about In the Zone, How to Price Your Genius, the small one-day group retreat that I am hosting on Friday, October 25th, go to jaquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden dash impact. Again, jacquettetimmons.com forward slash hidden dash impact. I would love the chance to work with you on how to price your genius and become more confident in what you charge. Again, thank you so much for listening. I know you have so many options when it comes to podcasts, and I appreciate you including this as one of those. If you're not already a subscriber, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And when you are there, please leave a rating and a review. And if we are not connected on social media, let's get that corrected. On Twitter or Instagram is where you can find me. Just put my name in the search bar and you will find my appropriate handle and we can be connected there and perhaps continue this conversation on any of those platforms as well. So until next time, remember it is about more than money.